Today, we're taking another step in our sermon series on living life together, right? We've already kind of talked about how we live life together as we gather around God's word regularly, like in church. We talked about how we live life together as we love one another. Jesus says, men and women and people will know that you're connected to me, you follow me, if you love one another. We talked about encouragement and the concept of if you're going to actually love and encourage people, you, you have to have a relationship with them. And then last week we talked about how we can live life together as we give and give generously out of the abundance that God has first given to us. And so today we want to talk about living life together as we grow in our faith. And so we, before we start today, we're going to open with a prayer. Father, We've come into your house today by your invitation and by your grace to be fed. We recognize our deep need for your grace, your love, your mercy, and your words of life that you desire to speak into our hearts. And so however we came in here today, Lord, the the struggles and the trials and the stresses and the joys and the letdowns and all that we have faced this week, open our ears. Open our hearts to hear your word, to repent where we have sinned against you, and then to be filled and assured and comforted that all of our sins have been taken away through your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray today. Amen. It is the best-selling book ever recorded. And whether you are a Christian or not, whether you like it or not, whether you've opened that book up or haven't even cracked the cover, there's no arguing. It's a book that has influenced cultures like our own and many others for thousands of years. Yet, as I was thinking about this truth and studying it this week, I was reading an article, and the guy had a sentence in there that stopped me dead in my tracks. It really bothered me, and it's still bothering me today. And and this is what he said. In, In the middle of talking about how the Bible is a huge, most important book, he says this. Americans seem to like the Bible, but don't have much urgency about reading it. In fact, a lot of the statistics that, that, that were in his article talked about how there's, on average, there's 4.4 Bibles in most American homes, and like 85% of people in this country have at least one, if not that average of four in their house, but then the percentage of people who actually read it shrinks significantly. And so that led him to say that right there. Is he Right? Is that a fair statement to make? Sadly, I think he is. Right? We, this book right here, as a child of God, we would say, we love it, right? This is the word of God. It's not just a book. It's God speaking to us. It's a book that shows us our need for a Savior And then it doesn't leave us hanging. It actually tells us who the Savior is and what he's done to make us his own. (sighs) 
Yet if you're anything like me, at times you find it really hard to actually open it up. And I thought, why? Why is that true? Why is it that the very people who claim that this is a holy book from God himself and and that it tells us about Jesus and it's supposed to guide how we live our lives, that we actually don't even read it? I think the answers probably vary, but I think it boils down to a couple. One, I mean, look at this. This is a big book, right? When was the last time you read a book like this, this big? I, I, won't, a- I won't ask you to answer that, but I know it's been a long time since I've been in a book this big and read it cover to cover. That's huge. A lot of pages, right? Also, this book was written thousands of years ago by a bunch of different people at God's choosing, and there's some things in here that when you read it, what? <laughs> it's confusing. What is God even saying? What, what, what's the point of that? Why did he do that? I don't like that he said that. Maybe that's part of the reason we just leave it on our shelves. Now, as a pastor, I, I get it. Right? I get it. Big book for me, too. And, and I was forced, and I say that in the most loving way possible, but if you're a part of this church body, this national church body, I can't stand up here in front of you unless I get an eight-year uh, master's degree and study in this day in and day in night. And I still come to places, I'm like, what is God talking about? So I understand. It can be hard. And then, of course, right, we have jobs, and we have spouses, and we have kids, and we have uh, soccer, and we have basketball, and we have to take care of aging parents, and we got bills, and we got a million other things vying for our time. So why do pastors like me stand up in front of churches like y'all and, and encourage you to get into that word daily? Why am I standing up here today? I've done it before, and I'm going to do it again. Unapologetically, talk to you about getting into God's word daily because you will spend time on nothing else that's that important. I'm not going to answer that question for you. Because I fear if I answer the question for you, you're going to think, well, that's Pastor Lang's thinking. Instead, I'm going to let God answer those questions for us today. All right, we turn our attention to our first passage. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 3. We read it all in context, but I want to zero in on, on this one verse. So Paul, writing to young pastor Timothy, encouraging him to shepherd the flock, and he says this, From infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So, if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, because then you'll remember even more, this is the first why would I even say I want you in this word daily. Because God's word does that. It makes you wise for salvation. Well, what does that mean? Right, that's, that's kind of a fancy way of saying the Bible is what tells you about Jesus so that you will know and believe and have faith in him and be forgiven and saved and go to heaven, right? No other place on the planet will you hear about how you are saved. No other book. 
The Bible's it. Right? The Bible is that book that tells us our need for a Savior, why we even need Jesus in the first place, and it tells us what Jesus has done for us. I would guess that majority of you here today, probably most of you watching online, you have known these things. You've known these things, as Paul says, from infancy, from when you were little on because you were born and raised in a Christian home. Many of you were in homes where your parents took you to church, and maybe not going to church was unheard of. You were always there every single Sunday. And if you were really feeling it, you stayed for Bible class, and you went to Sunday school, and and Sunday was a day of church and getting into God's Word. And it wasn't really negotiable. Right? Some of you grew up in homes where, where moms and dads or grandparents got down next to your bed and taught you how to pray and, and saying, Jesus loves me, this I know. And, and you really can't remember a day that you didn't know about Jesus. Others of you, you didn't grow up in homes like that. Your parents didn't teach you about Jesus. It wasn't until later on in life that maybe a friend, a family member, a pastor, a teacher, somebody told you about Jesus, and that's why you know. But, but for a moment, I just want to talk to the ones who from infancy, because I'm in that category too. I was born in a Christian home. I, I really don't know anything else. But it got me thinking, I wonder. I, I wonder how over the years we have maybe grown physically, yet at the same time we've stayed spiritual babies. You ever spend time thinking about that? How, how maybe we've grown spe- or, uh, physically in our lives and, and we're bigger and we're 30, we're 40, we're 60 years old, but spiritually, we're still a little baby. Because we haven't regularly been getting into God's word. Think about it this way. What if I told you that you could have whatever you want today, food? I'll buy feasts. You can have filet, you can have crab legs, you can have whatever you want. You can eat until you're ready to bust, but then you can't eat the rest of the week. Not a bite. How well do you think your body is going to grow and mature and stay healthy and strong? Think it's going to work eating once a week? Nope. Now think about your spiritual life. Right? If you only come to church and you only open up the Bible once a week and, and you might feast on it, but then you don't even open it a little bit the rest of the week, how do you think your spiritual life is going to be? You know what God says? He says that at least your faith is going to get weaker. Worst case scenario, you could drift away from me. That's why God's pretty serious about us getting in his word regularly so that we can grow and we don't stay spiritual babies. In fact, I think one of the biggest struggles the Christian church faces in the 21st century is that a majority of people who call themselves Christians don't actually know the Bible. B 
because it sits right here on a shelf or on a coffee table in their home, but they don't actually pick it up and read it with their spouses and teach it to their kids. And that's sad. But here's the deal. You don't have to stay spiritually immature. Did you know that? You can grow in your faith. In fact, that's exactly what your God wants you to do. He wants you to grow and mature. He wants you to open up that word because when you do, he promises to change you through it. When you open up God's word, you hear the greatest story ever. And through God's word, he tells you who he is and what he's done. And he gives you peace and joy and forgiveness and life and all those amazing things that he wants you to enjoy every day, not just once in a while. So let me ask you some questions. And I'm not asking you to answer back, just in a dialogue this time, just just self-reflect. Do you know what God's word says about you and your heart? Do you know that God's word says that your heart is deceitful above all else? That it's Desire, its propensity when left to itself is to sin and turn away from God, not to him. Did you know that? Did you know that actually things that that we're so accustomed to hearing in our culture, like trust your gut and follow your heart, are some of the worst advice you could ever give somebody? In fact, God says don't give them that advice because your heart will often only lead you further away from God. Do you know that God says that there's absolutely nothing you can do to to get right with him? And that he's done some pretty amazing things because he loves you and he's made you right with him? Do do you know those truths? Because that's Bible 101. And whether you answered yes or no to those, you have to know this. God wants you in his word. He wants you in his word. He he wants you to open up this book right here, not so he can give you another checklist of things to do, not so he can load you with more of a burden of things you have to do to be right with him. No, he wants to speak into your heart. And he wants you to know, yeah, I know what you've done, but this is what I've done for you. I know your sin that has separated you from me, and if I don't do anything, your sin and your your heart is going to keep running from me, but I'm not going to stop running after you. Right? In his word, God says, I want to speak to you. I want to give you peace, and I want to give you joy, and I want you to know, not to wonder or second guess, but know that your sins have been paid for. That your past has been forgiven. That your future is secure. That's what God wants to tell you in this word. That's why he says, don't open it once in a while. I want to tell you that every day that I love you and that you're mine. And then as we we stay in that word and grow, our next passage we want to look at says this. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is talking, right? Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Now, anybody that knows me knows that I am not a green thumb at all. I'm looking at a guy who is, and some of you others are really good at gardening. I am not, right? But I understand the gardening analogy that Jesus is using, right? If it, I understand that if I take a branch and break it off the main vine or break it off the trunk of the tree, right, the very things that go into the ground with roots and get all the nutrients, and I take that branch and I just set it down here and leave it, it will die. Eventually, it will die. And Jesus says, in simple terms, the same way when it comes to our walk of faith with him. He says, if you don't stay connected to me through my word, you're going to be like a branch that's just sitting by itself. And you might do okay at first, but eventually that branch, separated from the root, dies. And so God says, I have the solution. It's simple, it's easy, really you have to do nothing, I gave it all to you, here's my word. <laughs> Open it up. Now I have to mention something, because I think sometimes people hear this and they're like, oh, well if I'm in God's word, you know, everything's going to be great and everything's going to go well and I'm never going to have an issue. Understand that Jesus does not say, if you remain in me, your life will be sweet and easy and a piece of cake. In fact, you heard in our readings today, if you follow God's word, what did it say? You will be, will be, not maybe, not might, not at some point, but you will be persecuted. And so Jesus is not promising a carefree life when you remain connected to him. You're still going to have a hectic schedule. You're still going to have fights with your spouse. You're still going to wrestle with your kids. There's still going to be depression and worry and fear and, and anxiety and cancer and, and COVID and death. And, and just because you, you get into God's word every day, it doesn't mean that you won't wrestle with your own demons, your own personal sins that keep coming back and attacking you, pride or anger or arrogance or apathy or alcohol or whatever it is that you struggle with. It doesn't mean that they just magically disappear because you're connected to Jesus. What does it mean? As you stay connected to him, it means you're connected to the power source. You're connected to the one who will forgive you when you fail, who will help you on the difficult days and the good days. He'll cry with you, he'll rejoice with you, and he will love you with an unconditional love always. Because you see, when you tap into God's word, you're tapping into the most powerful thing on the planet. You're tapping into Jesus. You know, when people come to me with, with struggles and issues in their life, if, if I'm on my A game, and sometimes I fail because I, I do a lot of days that are at a C minus level, but if I'm on my A game, you know the first question I ask them? How's your devotional life? No matter whatever the issue it is that they come to me with, I say, how's your devotional life? Are you in God's word daily? Are you sitting in the lap of your father? Are you praying and talking to him and listening to him talk back to you through his word? And sadly, many times, the answer is no. And so my first order of business is to tell him, okay, well then, let me help you get on a plan to get into the word, and I guarantee half of this either gets resolved or you're going to have the strength to get through it. And I know it works because I've had people tell me that in my own life when I've struggled. Are you in God's word every day? Well, yeah, I'm a pastor. Yeah, but are you reading it to be transformed? 
Are you reading it so that God speaks into your heart? Oh, not always. Start doing that first, and then we'll talk in two weeks. Because again, when you tap into this book right here, you're tapping into Jesus. Because you know that, right? You know that this book right here, from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, is all about Jesus. Do you know that? No matter how confusing even some of the passage may get, every word in this book points you to Jesus. And so what, what does this remind you of, right? What, what does this book tell you? One, it reminds you that while you were still a sinner, while you were still not wanting to open up God's word, you wanted nothing to do with him, it says Christ died for you in the book of Romans. Did you know that? I hope so. This book tells you that, that nothing, absolutely nothing, and I don't care what thing you could throw at me, I'll say nothing because God says nothing can separate you from God's love. No matter how difficult your life is, no matter how many sins that you have committed, no matter how many times you've ran from him, Jesus says you can't out my glove. Did you know that, guys, that you're forgiven? Yeah, even for that sin, you're forgiven because Jesus paid for it. Right? This book reminds you that, that, that even on those difficult days, you have a God who says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. You might have had friends. You might have had family. You might have had spouses. You might have had people who said they were your Christian brothers and sisters abandon you. God says, no, not a chance. I'm not leaving. And then this book right here, it tells you that there's nothing you have to do. In fact, you can't do anything to be saved. It's already been done for you. Jesus foot the bill. He paid the price. He set you free. And so now when the final chapter of your life is written, you can be absolutely certain it's going to be A-OK. -okay because you will be with Jesus forever. I could keep going this morning, but I won't. I think you get the point, right? If, if this book says all of that to you and so much more, how could it not give you peace? How could your Savior, through his words in this book, not give you more joy and more certainty and more confidence, no matter what you're faced with? Because you know how your story ends. And if that's true, how could we not get into this more and more each and every day as we see the day approaching that Jesus is coming back. So friends, I, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you, and yes, I'm going to challenge you to get into this book more. Not because it's my rules or my thinking, but because your God says he wants you in it, he wants to spend time with you. And so I want to challenge you, right? Because if we're going to live life together, like we say we're going to, right? If we're going to grow in our faith together, we have to be in the Word. And I would encourage you, do not do it alone. Because when I do it alone, my temptation is not to open it up, not to get into the Word. Ah, I missed it this day. I had too much going on, right? Find somebody to do it with you. And I'm going to give you a couple, uh, I think there's four if I'm counting right. I said four and I'm showing three. Four, if I'm counting right, to think about. Raise your hand if you have a cell phone. 
smartphone, internet access, tablet, computer. That's everybody, right? <laughs> Come on, pastor. That's all of us. There's dozens and dozens, hundreds and hundreds of Bible apps and tools that you can download and use. One that I use is called Uversion. Some of you I know have it on your phones and you use it. It's a good one. Over 400 million downloads. And, and a couple of things I love about it, whatever topic you want to study, it's there. You want to read through the Bible in a year? There's like 10 plans to do it. You, you want to read a, a Bible study or read the Bible in the lens of just Jesus' life and, and what he did? There's a plan. Right? You want to read a, a topical, like here's the sections of the Bible that address my anxiety or my fear or my worry or my pride? There's a Bible plan for that. And what's also really cool is once you sign up for it, you can do two things. One, you can do it with friends which is always, always, always beneficial. And two, it will send you a notification, just like a million other things on your phone or tablets send you notifications. It will ding, hey, you haven't read it in three days. Built-in accountability. So there's one. If you're old-fashioned and you prefer this, great. Grab one. Find a plan, find a reading buddy, and open it up. And get into God's Word. In about a month, during Lent, we are going to have these life groups. I keep talking about them. They're coming. Trust me, they're coming. And I'm going to encourage you to sign up for one. Because in those groups, you're going to get together with other Christians, and you're going to read this together. And you're going to grow in your faith with God, and you're going to grow in relationships with one another. Because God said, I don't want you to do it alone. And then finally, during the the season of Lent, there's going to be a 30-day period that we're going to do another Bible reading challenge like we did for Advent and we did last year for Lent, right? Last year for Lent, we read through the whole gospel of, anybody remember? John. Advent, we read through the gospel from cover to cover of Matthew. And this year, Monday through Friday, so those six weeks in Lent, Monday through Friday, comes to 30 days, we are going to go cover to cover through the gospel of Mark. And I'm stoked because during Advent, we had like 90 people do it, and that was only the people that actually signed up and did it online. There was others of you that did it um, old school. That's cool, too. We had well over 100 people in our midst and beyond actually reading God's Word. That's awesome. So sign up. Look for that. Sign up. Read it. Because here's the cool thing. If you've done all of them, too, think about this. Within a year's time, you have read three out of the four Gospels cover to cover. And that would put you in the stats well, it'd just be crazy, and you'd be blessed. So here's the deal. Whatever you do, do something. I'd love for you to sign up to life groups. I'm going to push that. I'm going to urge that. I'm going to go to these things because they're going to be a huge blessing to your spiritual walk of faith. Uh, the Bible reading plan, you version this. But at the end of the day, I don't really care how you do it, but that you do it. As your pastor who loves you, the only thing I want for you is to know the guy who this book's all about. To know who Jesus is and what he's done for you and to find peace and joy and forgiveness and life in the only place that it can be found. So that even when, especially when, the days are long, the issues are tough, you might even want to quit, that you can rejoice because what you have in Christ cannot be taken away. 
So it's my prayer that, that God moves you to get into his word regularly. And that he helps all of us to remain in him as we stay connected to him through his word forever. Amen.